will be reading 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, to the end of the chapter. So if you would like to follow along, that is where you'll find it. It is also on the screen. <clears throat> for Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become righteous of God. This is the word of the Lord. Come on. So we have been taking these first couple weeks of the semester to kind of describe a little bit about how we as Chi Alpha, how, what we value, what we, how we define ourselves, and what we're really going after, um, because it's, not, it's all Jesus. Um, but we find that these three anchors that we've been going through kind of give us kind of like handlebars on a bike. It's not, it's not what's important, but it helps us hold on to what's going on, right? Or anchor, it's a good image, what keeps us anchored into um, life, right? There's good images that we use here. Um, so these three anchors we've been working through, the first one was real devotion, and the second one is real community. Third one, real responsibility. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, but just as a recap, real devotion, meaning we have real devotion to Jesus and that we choose him. But secondly, we have real community uh, with the body of Christ in that in daily life, Jesus transforms us as a community. And then thirdly, tonight, we have real responsibility to the mission of Jesus, to participate in what Jesus wants to do in the world. And I'm going to guess, as we kind of unpack this third one, that maybe this one brings up the most kind of uncomfortable parts of Christianity. Um, and I, I know there's a broad spectrum, even in the room tonight, of things you might say or things that might make you uncomfortable, of like talking about responsibility as a Christian, or like Jesus wants to save all people, and all that in there. There's a lot of stuff that kind of comes with it. Maybe you wouldn't even say that, like, Jesus is the only way. Maybe you wouldn't even say that, like, I don't really like these ideas of God reconciling all people and, and the images that kind of are invoked by this. And we really kind of want to, like, pause tonight and kind of lean into what is, what is the heart of Jesus here? Because this is a weighty thing. Just a couple weeks ago, I was walking through the union. This is the first week of school. I was walking through the union. And I was actually meeting a new guy for the first time. I just, like, interacted with him, but he stopped and saw a friend. And so they're having this moment, and I'm waiting there. And then there's a group of, like, six students sitting at a table. And it just happened to overhear one girl start talking. The word that she said was missionaries. I'm like, oh, you know, okay, what, what is she going to say here? And then she keeps going on and say, you know, those, those Christians have missionaries. 
And she's like, and that's like, they just want everyone else to believe what they believe. And that's the problem with Christians. Like, all the other religions, they don't really force anyone else to believe what they believe. Why do, why do we have to, like, make everyone believe what we believe? That's the problem with Christianity. And I was sitting there, like, in this moment, like, listening, thinking, ah, what do I do here? How do I lean into this moment? Because I know this is a real question that many of us wrestle with as Christians. To hear this idea of Jesus longs to save all people, to restore relationship with all people. But also, Jesus is not someone who pushes and forces people and dishonors and disrespects. Like, those ideas that this girl was bringing up were, were stemmed in the very heart of God about honor, about loving people, about caring about what other people feel, Right? But yet at the same time, Jesus does want all people to know him because he made them. And so in that tension, that's where I want us to go tonight. And I believe as we do this, we're going to, my hope is that we would see the heart of God through this. And as we do that, then it'll make a little bit more sense of how we have real responsibility in a way that makes sense, that has integrity, that meets people where they are at. And the key to this in our passage that we read, to reveal this heart of Jesus is actually, I think, in this word reconcile or reconciliation. It's kind of a big word. Maybe, uh, maybe this is a word you've like, it's not really in your normal day life. So when you hear the word, nothing is really there because it's, it's just a new odd word. I don't use that word. Or maybe this is a word, maybe you're an accountant or you're in finance and you're like, yeah, reconcile accounts. I get that. Okay. Or maybe this is like, you know, churchy word for you. But I just want to take a moment and kind of like define this word because I think this is really important. This is a beautiful word. And if you were to Google it, which you could, the, one of the first things that will pop up, or at least it did for me, was this definition of reconciling estranged people, that there is a restored relationship, that at the core of this word, this is a relationship word, not a do's and don'ts word, not a, you know, resume word. This is a relationship word. That God's heart to reconcile others to him is about relationship. And I think that's really important if we want to go any further in understanding what it means to participate with Jesus. Jesus is not sitting there uh, angrily accusing everyone for all the wrongdoings. Jesus longs to restore relationship. That is at the heart of the mission of Jesus. And if that's the definition of reconciliation, which even in that, there's probably a lot of layers that you could probably ascribe to it. And even as I dug and kind of looked at this word and the meaning, um, on some base level, uh, you could reconcile tension between coworkers by just saying, you know, we agree to disagree. On a surface level, that is a form of reconciliation. We're okay with each other, agree to disagree. But I don't, that's, that's not the level that Jesus wants to do here. He's not just saying for you and uh, uh, me and you, like, hey, we can agree to disagree. I'm God. You can dis you're like, he longs to do something far deeper and greater than just simply agree to disagree. He longs for, as the word suggests, that uh, there are levels. He longs for the greatest measure of reconciliation. That wounds and hurts and pain would be restored. Like, think about relationships and pains you've experienced. 
There's a whole lot of baggage that comes with it. People that you've been separated from, and there's pain there. It is not easy to make things right with those who have deeply hurt you. There's a cost, but what I want to help us see tonight is that God's heart toward us is to say, but I want to reconcile with you. That is his heart toward us. He wants to build a bridge to us. He wants to get all the way to us so that he, he can show us his heart, not just for me and for you, but for all people. And the implications of this, right? If God's heart to reconcile us like, is true, then that means he, he loves me deeply, because he wants me deeply. He's not just looking at my to-do list and all my things I've done wrong or did right or anything like that. That's not the things he's trying to, like, there's a reason we're estranged. But he's saying, I want to bring you close. The implications there, that the God of the universe loves us, right? And we've talked about that the past couple of weeks. But what else here? Like, the fact that he wants to reconcile us to, and we read it in this passage. He longs to make us new, to have a new heart, to wash away shame, to take away all that, the garbage of our life that we all feel. We feel this reality of like, I, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I wish I was like this. You know, we kind of feel a, uh, almost like <coughs> we're, we don't know how to reconcile within ourselves our very identity. And God longs to bring about a reconciliation with us that begins to make us whole, that we would be in restored relationship with the one he made us. And as we are, he restores our very selves, our very heart, who we are. And the language in this passage is that of love and of purpose. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes too. But it's also of wholeness, which leads to peace, right? When you feel whole and restored, that is a place of peace. This is not a place of being shackled and chained and told what to do. This is a place of wholeness. And I think these pieces are really important for us to know. If we, before we talk about the mission of Jesus, we have to talk about what he does first, what he does in us. What is the work of Jesus? It is to restore and to heal. Heal hurts. Reconciliation helps us see that that's his heart toward us. He wants to heal what is broken, including us. And if we were to even s take a step further and, and, and look at, okay, if, if the God of the universe wants to reconcile me, bring me close, right? And he wants to do that for all people. Imagine, right, the scene of all people then. If this is happening, he's reconciling all people to himself. That means we're all close together. That means groups of people are being reconciled together. And now we're together learning how to reconcile with one another. And if you talk about, okay, groups of people needing reconciliation, the term we do have in our language, hopefully, is racial reconciliation. That this is, a, this is something we experience in our current culture of a need. Talking about a need in our world, at least in America, and I'm sure it's across the whole globe, that there is pain between parties of different groups, of ethnicities, of cultures. Because we don't always know how to get along, see each other, who they really are, and honor and value. Groups, entire groups of people have become estranged. There's wounds, there's pain. And God's heart is to bring about reconciliation to all people, to restore us to be one. That is his heart. 
And the fact that he wants to restore all people to himself is an implication that we all, too, will begin to be restored in right relationship with one another. Racial reconciliation is an implication of God's reconciliation with us. But even more, there's so much more with that too. Just think about our politics. Our political reconciliation needs to happen. I mean, in a world that's so polarized, Democrat, Republican, the divide couldn't feel more, more uh, far apart. The idea of reconciling two parties, that we would know how to honor, respect, learn to work together in unity, seems really kind of impossible in our culture. It's heavy. How do we as a culture, as communities, and neighbors, as nations, Learn to be reconciled together. This is a real need in our world. And I'm sure as I'm talking about hurts and, and relationships, I'm sure there's some of us who are immediately drawn to the family members that are estranged and the longing for reconciliation, but the pain and the barriers there. How do we make it right with those who we were once so close with. Reconciliation is a real need, but it's in the very heart of God. That's the kind of work he wants to do, not only between us and him, but us together reconciling one another as well. And hopefully what this begins to do as we see this idea of what reconciliation really is getting at is it kind of begins to shift our view of God because when we view him as not as someone who wants relationship, but someone who just angrily is, uh, is just angry at people for sinning, we tend to view him as someone who doesn't want to be close to us. He's not longing to reconcile. He's just a judge. But this word reconciliation shifts that to a, more of like a righteous but father who longs to destroy what is destroying those he loves. He longs to destroy that which is destroying us. That's his heart. That's what he wants to do. And all of his actions going forward are, like, are about eliminating that which destroys us and estranges us from him, the one who made us and loves us and wants to be with us. That's a very different view of who he is. So before we even get to our responsibility to participate in his mission, we have to recognize his, really what his mission is. It's a reconciling love. That's his mission, to restore all people into this place of wholeness. At the core, reconcile, reconciliation is what our hearts need. And Jesus meets it perfectly. And I don't know if you noticed on our, our three anchors description when we talk about real responsibility, the phrase we tie to that is love finds a need and meets it. In that, that's what Jesus is doing. His whole mission is out of love. He sees our need, our estrangement from him, and the need to be reconciled and he perfectly meets it. That's Jesus. That's the gospel. Love finds a need and meets it. But if we were to go back to our passage, right, 2 Corinthians 14, 
Uh, if you want to put up the passage again, there's these three verses here near the end. Okay, I've kind of been summarizing everything here, but I want to zero in on what happens once we become new in Christ. It says, verse 18, this is all from God, this rec reconciliation, right, is becoming new, Jesus saving us. This is all from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and then what? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, so we have, he's giving us the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Imagine the person, the ambassador person who's representing as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is strong language. This is like, please, do you see? Do you see the heart of Jesus? Please, you got to see this. He wants to make it right with you. He's doing everything he can. Jesus has made everything the way he wants you to know how much he loves you. Do you see this reconciliation? And so then, it's so, it's so cool how God works. He redeems us, reconciles us, and then says, I want you to participate. And I'm giving you a part to play in all of this. That actually what God does in you, he wants to do through you. Right, that we get to join him in his reconciling, reconciling work, his reconciling love in the world. But the real question is, how do we do that? Because when I was in that, walking through the union, right, I was walking through the union, I overheard that conversation, and I had to go meet with this new student. That was the priority that day, but my heart is longing to sit down with this girl and have a conversation and really, honestly, I just wanted to listen and hear. Because there's how, the how really matters. And I think we get hung up on that. And I want to tell a story. Actually, it's an ad adaptation um, from a book that I read recently. I thought this, this image was so good. But also, it wasn't really geared towards college students, so I kind of rewrote it into what it would look like in college students. So um, I'm going to read this to you, and I want to kind of feel there's kind of two stories I'm going to tell really quick of what it looks like often as Christians in the world. Okay, so take a deep breath. Maybe close your eyes. Imagine this for a second. Or maybe you don't have to imagine because this is you. Imagine two roommates in Sandberg. Okay, all right. You can just go with me here. It's the end of September. Yeah, 28th. Okay, hey, how about that? Yeah. Okay, uh, okay you, uh, they've been roommates for just over a month. Uh, now, and although they've been good friends so far, the irritations have started to come up. We're going to give these two students names. We'll call them John and Ted, because I don't think we have any Johns and Teds in here. I thought about using Nick and Nathan, but that was too real, too real. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so, okay, here's what's happened. John starts to notice that Ted's laundry is piling up. It isn't a huge problem because everyone has dirty clothes. But the pile has begun to spread, and John finds Ted's dirty underwear on top of his stuff. Ugh. John also notices Ted never cleans the microwave, and after a month of ramen exploding and hot pockets oozing and burritos blowing up, this microwave has gotten a little gross. 
what's going to happen after a year? Yeah, right? Okay, some of you, are you feeling this? On top of that, Ted often plays video games late into the night, and though he has his headphones on, there's no sleeping through the vigorous and angry controller button mashing. <laughs> and on top of that, Ted doesn't seem to notice John's passive message through vigorously tossing and turning in bed. So throughout this month, he's kind of like, all right, he's getting irritated. But he also finds out that Ted has started going to one of the Christian groups on campus. Slowly, Ted starts uh, to talk more about how his life is changing so much because of the gospel and that John should join him for the next meeting and that John should believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He says that John needs Jesus' forgiveness for his sins and that Je Jesus would like to forgive him for all he's done wrong and would like to reconcile him back to God. John, however, is quite put off by all of this because in his mind, Ted is just another example of a Christian who only cares about telling people about Jesus, all talk about life change, but is still a rather crummy roommate. He's self-centered and messy and now is a religious freak. But because John does consider Ted to be a friend, he does decide to reluctantly check out this group. But when he does, his mindset is fixated on trying to figure out why Ted only seems to care about John's unbelief and why in the world Ted talks about his life being changed but is seemingly unchanged about dirty laundry. In the end, he is utterly unsatisfied by Ted's Christian group because he saw no real connection to the words and the actions of his friend. Now, Maybe some of you uh, know someone on either side of this story, or maybe you're feeling a bit defensive because you are one of these people in the story, or maybe a little self-conscious because you're one of these people in the story. And before we like yeah, say our yeah buts in our head, just give me a second and let's say the other side of this, the other version of the story, and then we'll get to our point. So imagine we still have the same two roommates it's John and Ted. John notices Ted's messes and habits, and Ted is going to this campus ministry. Only, instead of Ted being convinced to share a message of reconciliation back to God, Ted comes back one night and realizes all that Jesus has done for him and asks Jesus to make him new, just like we read in the passage, and that Jesus would help him be a good friend and roommate to John. After he prays, Ted opens his eyes and sees the dirty underwear he left lying on John's things, which helps him see the broader mess he's made. So he gets up, he clears it up, and even tidies up John's shoes and things around the door and other things left around the room. And then he decides not to play video games that night because he did notice the other night that how vigorously John seemed to be tossing and turning in his bed, and the Holy Spirit prompts him to consider others. Then, after making a late-night bag of popcorn, realizes the microwave is a total disaster, he sees his leftover uh, hot pocket in there, and he cleans it up. So John comes back and sees Ted has cleaned up and is really quite grateful, but quickly goes to bed because he has a long day the next day, and he hopes that Ted keeps it down so that he can sleep. A few weeks go on, and John notice that, notices that Ted has really worked hard to be a better roommate and notices that the people Ted hangs around 
seem to genuinely care about, uh, about him when they come by. Ted has mentioned he's been going to this Christian group, and his friends have also invited him. He had passed it off before and was thankful they weren't per- pushy, but something was genuine about them that seemed different. Ted then one day asked John for forgiveness for being a sloppy roommate. And he asked, honestly, if the video games had ever been annoying. John, feeling bad for being annoyed, started to downplay it, but Ted didn't let him off the hook and apologizes for that as well and decides to to do it differently. The next time, oh, sorry, I missed it. John is quite intrigued by what is going on in Ted's life. And the next time Ted invites him to his group, John comes and finds himself open to hearing what these people have to say and why, and sees a clear connection between the message of Jesus and Ted's way of life. Now, this is hypothetical, but it's also very real, because I've seen these things play out in people's lives. And yes, there's some disclaimers. The first story uh, is not all bad. And there's a really important reminder that you as Christians, we're not just all of a sudden perfect the next day. That doesn't happen. This is a journey. So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be self-centered still as you're walking with Jesus. My point is not to say you have to get it perfect and be all of a sudden a perfect roommate. The point I want to make is love finds a need and meets it. Love notices what's going on around you finds those needs, and meets them. And in these stories, the relationships are really key. And I believe the kingdom of God is established on relationships, that Jesus longs for relationship with us, and he wants to reconcile all that has been uh, estranged. He wants to reconcile us back to him. And so, wouldn't it make sense that as we experience the love of Jesus, as we experience his reconciling love with us, wouldn't it make sense that as we go out in his love, that we would begin to do relationships like him? That we would begin to long to reconcile and see the way in which we're estranged with those around us, from really small things to really big things. Wouldn't it make sense that as we encounter his love, that we would begin to become a little bit more like him and think a little bit more like him. Now, I I hope you also saw in both these stories, there is a bringing out and talking about Jesus that does happen in both stories, and that's really key. But it's the how that really matters. And is it congruent with your heart and your life? And if love finds a need and meets it, we're also considering, yes, okay, this person needs Jesus because we all need Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings wholeness. Jesus is the one who brings restored relationship. Yes, okay. But maybe instead of just saying you need Jesus, you do the hard work of building a relationship to help them see what would they need to hear to even begin to hear that truth? And what part can I play in bringing about that message of Jesus' reconciling love? And sometimes a a lot of people have a whole lot of hurts. Sometimes people have uh, really big hang-ups theologically. Sometimes there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but we'll never know if we don't take the time to be in people's lives and walk with them and listen and be in the midst. 
Because Jesus does this perfectly. He comes down and is with us, and he sacrifices everything for us. He knew what we needed. We needed to see him. But he did it to the utmost. Because love finds a need and meets it. And so, too, as we participate with Jesus, that's the heart we have. We have to acknowledge the needs of those around us. From the little things, like giving someone a pizza when they're hungry, to the big things of helping them understand the heart of Jesus, and everything in between. Are we willing to participate with Jesus by finding needs and meeting them? That's the gospel. And that's what we long to do here in Chi Alpha. And that day when I was walking through the union, I longed to sit with that girl and hear her her name and to just ask her, why do you think that? Where does that come from? I hear that. And listen. Maybe even apologize on behalf of Christians. Maybe have the opportunity to say, well, I think it's actually like this. I don't know. I don't know what I would do because I'm not in that moment with that, in that relationship. The kingdom of God is established on relationship and every, everyone's different. But I would long to be with that person and hopefully begin to build trust. And that's the kind of stuff I would love for us to do in Chi Alpha. We long for this campus to know Jesus. There's 28,000 students and I would long for all of them to know him and know this heart, this reconciling love of Jesus, the love that finds needs and meets them in the perfect utmost way. And maybe by how we live, we'll get to help people, even if it's really slow, to see that picture. And so here's how I want us to end tonight. I actually want us to, because uh, we're talking about real responsibility and us participating with Jesus, I actually want us to have an opportunity to participate a little bit don't, don't be too worried. All I want us to do is to, to get in groups of like three or four people, those sitting around you, and I have a couple questions. And my ho- I hope here is that we would get to dialogue a little bit. And if you're on the edge of like, I don't really like this. I don't know if I would agree with this. That's okay. Feel free to voice that. But if you're on the other side of like, yeah, I think we should be a little firmer here. That's okay. Like, let's, let's dialogue here about how in the world do we be Jesus' hands and feet? But there's three questions I want us to kind of walk through here. This is what we'll leave this up on the screen. It's first, what has Jesus' reconciling love looked like for you? I think this is important. This is an opportunity for us to share a little bit about our story and how we've experienced this kind of reconciling love. What's your story look like? How Jesus has, has made right relationship with you, brought you into his family. What does that look like for you? Secondly, what does reconciliation look like to those around you? Begin to process, like, how, what would that look like for you in your life? And then lastly, how might love finds a need and meets it look like in your life? Maybe those last two are similar. When trying to get at one is about reconciling, making things right, and one is about loving people well around you. So uh, get it in groups of three or four, um, and we're going to process. I'm going to pray here in a second. But before I do, last thought. If, as I was talking, if at any point in this message you felt like this is something you longed for, this love that you long for, and Jesus is doing something in your heart tonight, and he's calling your name, would you do us, would you come and talk to me or Catherine, and we would love to continue a conversation about that, 
um, pray with you. Be there in the midst of what Jesus wants to do, or maybe just go talk to your small group leader, because there's something that we value about Jesus speaking and touching our lives. He wants to transform us, and he wants to build us up in his love. So as he's doing that, make room for that, um, whether it's before or after uh, discussion time. We'd love to do that. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll break up into small groups. Jesus, thank you so much for your reconciling love. Thank you for all that you've done for us, for me. That you want to bring me, who has been estranged from you, back into the family of God. To wash away shame. Jesus, would you remind us of your love all over again in your heart, your reconciling love. But Lord, also help us know what it means know what it means to participate in your mission as we love people well and find needs and meet them because that's what you do. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and feet on this campus and in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our nation, in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.